Hey everybody and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days Weekend Warrior Edition. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am joined here with Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, everyone? What's going on, Kobe? Uh, really happy to be here once again this week, taking that nostalgic trip down memory lane in 1992 when it came to Saturday morning or Saturday evening wrestling with WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstars. Looking forward to this one. This, the, these, these, these two shows are pretty good this week, so I'm looking forward to recapping them. Yeah, they they were they were really good. Um, su- surprising, like we'll get to it, but uh, WCW keeps going back and forth in their format of an hour and a half to forty five minute episodes. So uh, yeah, I noticed that, I, and there was no real reason given behind that either. It so. might be it, it might be the one after you know the pay per view they get a longer uh, episode. You know mm-hmm. that that would make sense to me because we just celebrated Wrestle War and you and I just did. A war games wrestle war watch along. Yeah, um, you know what? You know what else I was thinking too as to why they might have those like ninety minute to like you know one hour episodes. Um, like they kind of like you said switching up the format. There's a good chance that like, and I and I vaguely remember this as a kid is that a lot of times um, Atlanta Braves baseball would take some of their time slot. So um, on certain weeks, so maybe Turner gave WCW an extra half hour to make up for the time that they lost on previous episodes with the baseball game kind of dipping into their time slot. So um, I just remember when I was a kid that sometimes I would have to wait if it was 6.05 and, and Saturday night was going to come on, um, but the Braves were still on. Maybe it was like the last inning or they were in extra innings. The game went a little long. Um, then you know the 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 episode either the next week or the following week might be a little bit longer. This is just a guess. I'm just trying yeah, to certainly you know, remember. That's good. Good fan insight though, coming from a, a someone who watched it at the time. Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, definitely Saturdays are for wrestling, and uh, we are here every Saturday with you guys, and we're gonna try to make it a a, a, a thing of importance. Every Saturday at ten o five in the morning, you will get our podcast marking out the day's weekend warriors edition this is the fifth episode i believe yes episode number five may the 23rd 1992 yeah yeah it's been a lot of fun like you said we're just running down some uh interesting stuff but before we get into all those uh ongoing stories for wwf superstars and wcw saturday night you ready to get into the squared circle of life the yes passings I am. and the births Yes. On this day. Yes, I am, man. Let's do it. Let's do the oldest passing on this day, Monday, May 23rd, 1994. Ray Candy. Are you familiar with Ray Candy? Uh, I am not familiar with Ray Candy at all. Um, He's a um, a mid-card African-American wrestler in the late, late, 80s early 80s he actually wrestled uh starcade 84 and starcade 88 interesting okay so he worked for crockett yes okay yes. all right and cool. for new japan okay so yeah so this on this day he died of heart failure ray candy um all right let's go to the next one you did an actually uh, a phenomenal episode not to do a cheap plug here um because we, we, we skipped our plugs, but uh, we'll, we'll get to them later in this episode. Uh, you did 
the one the episode of Owen Hart with your brother, and uh, I just I just want to say you did a fantastic job. And today, um, May twenty third, Sunday, nineteen ninety nine, Owen Hart uh, tragically died. Yeah, um, that was. I mean, we we we've approached the twentieth anniversary of that passing, that unfortunate um, accident, and uh, I thought it was fitting, at least on our show. Um, to uh, to to cover his life and his wrestling career in a positive aspect, we do touch upon the um, the the accident and our memories of um, that evening, watching the pay per view, um, and our reactions to finding out that he you know fell from the ceiling. Um, so we'll we, you know we'll get into that in a little bit when we do our plugs for our shows at the end of this show. But yeah, um, thank you, man. This was I, I don't normally toot my own horn. But uh, I'm proud of that one because I took a lot of I took a lot of extra time and effort to really dig deep into some of the uh, the career uh, highlights and aspects of uh, the late great Owen Hart. So uh, yeah, it was really well done out there that um, that are big Owen Hart fans um, that were alive and remember his passing. Head on over to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over at Podbean. You can find paying homage to the King of Hearts, Owen Hart, over there on the stream as well as on our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. It's also on Twitter at kicking out two and over at soundcloud.com and any other podcast platform available. That's my little mini cheap plug. We'll get into it later on. But yeah, man, go go, go check it out. Um, I, I'm pretty proud of that one. And let me know what you guys think. Yeah, uh, looking forward to it. And it's... um. It's also on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So, um, let's continue on this day. I mean, Owen Hart, uh, this is the day that he died. I will never forget it. Um, It was live on pay-per-view, and at the time, I think I was, like, grounded, so I couldn't watch, but my uncle still, like, watched, and then, like, uh, he, like, told me just to come out, and he was like, I think he died. And I was, like, really upset. I was like, oh, my God. So I had to wait the next night on Raw, but um, an interesting interview that I listened to, the post-wrestling podcast with John Pollock and Wei Ting, uh, John Pollock did a great little piece on Owen as well, Um, but he he, he interviewed Wayne Ferris, who is um, the honky-tonk man, Um, and Wayne had told a reporter to wait because he thinks it, it was a work. And I remember at the time, everybody at school thought maybe it was uh, part of the show as well. And we were kind of hoping, waiting Monday, that it would be a joke or part of the story. Which it wouldn't have been a good story, you know, to fake someone's death like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were hopeful for that as, as children. But sadly, that was not the case. And uh, that was one of the saddest episodes of Raw. And your brother covering that in your episode, it just brought back a lot of memories because that was the first time I had seen people uh, talking like that about another person and very upset, you know. Yeah, um, they definitely that was definitely one of those breaking the fourth wall kind of uh, uh, moments in wrestling, um, that episode of Raw. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too detailed into my account of my memories of that evening. Um, because you can, you guys can check that out and listen to that, um, in the, uh, the, the episode that I covered. But, um, like you, I thought it was a story at first and, um, I knew it was pretty real. It got real quick when, um, 
two things. One, when they cut to the Jeff Jarrett interview and him and Deborah were both crying and, um, you know, they, Jeff tried to snap out of it real quick and get back into character. And then the when it really, really got real was after they made the announcement. Everyone was everyone in my living room was like, oh, my God, like this is real. Like this isn't a joke. Um, and there was still like a little bit in the back of my mind that was like, maybe this is some really sick story because like a month prior, mm -hmm. you know, the undertaker tried to sacrifice Stephanie McMahon and you know, all they, the attitude era was known for all this crazy stuff. You know, people get buried alive and stuff like that. So like, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that something like this could have been written, you know, it was Vince Russo, it was classic Vince Russo at the time. So, Absolutely. um, but when and I and I recall it in the in the episode when I discussed it with my brother. But um, when The Rock and Triple H wrestled, and The Rock used to do that thing where he would beat the guy up in front of the announce table. He'd grab Jr.'s headset or whoever or one of the Spanish announcers. He'd put the headset on and he would talk trash to the guy while he's got the headset on. Well, he did that. He was beating up Hunter, and then all of a sudden he was like. Oh, and The Rock loves you. And you could hear the cracking in his voice like he was going to oh. cry as he was saying it. So oh. that to me, I was like, wow, it really got The Rock. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. got to him, you know, who is like a top notch, you know, class performer that, you know, when the light comes on, you know, he's he's all business. And yeah, so that was like when it was really real to me when I was like, wow, like it's, it's and from then on, it was just, you know, the the developments and uh, of, of how it happened and just how sad the story was. And, um, you know, not to give, not to give another podcast, our own uh, a plug here, but I just listened to the grilling Jr. with, um, with Jr. and Conrad Thompson and Jr.'s accounts, man, are just chilling. Like if you want, like, yeah, if, I'm, I'm going to take a listen. Yeah. If you're up for it, if you're up for it, man, and any of you out there, like, if you if you listen to that show, I mean, it's gotten better as the week's gone on because it's a new format. But um, man, his stories of uh, of of being there live and witnessing it and living through it, and the stories that he recounts with Jerry Lawler, who was right in the ring, like not too long after it happened. Man, I'm telling you, like I listened to it in the car for the past few days on my way to work, and it was it was sad, man. But like it was very insightful as to what these these men and women lived through during this unfortunate accident so um if you guys are fans of that check that out for sure but uh, you know let's let's bring it back to the positive when it comes to owen hart for just a moment here because he was such a talented performer a guy who um you know it, he brought so many smiles to so many faces in the world uh, whether it's colleagues family friends and all of us fans um that's what I tried to really encapsulate in that episode is the positive aspects Certainly. of the late great Owen Hart and uh, you and, know an and one of the best in ring. Oh, yeah, absolutely! One of the I best think he was in better ring than Brett. I think he was better yeah. than Brett. Like overall, okay. Brett had like one style, and Brett was a you know a, a great technical wrestler, but Owen was like a utility player. He was an all around great performer. He could entertain. He could talk. He could fly. He could wrestle you on the mat like. Owen Hart was like the, the the better of the two, in my opinion. I didn't think that you know twenty five years ago, but looking back on it now, easily better performer than Brett. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I love I love his in ring work. Watching it back now, being a, 
a person that just loves in-ring psychology and technician stuff. Um, just all the, all the things that you said, definitely. And you could tell how many fans he affected uh, just by yesterday on Facebook, um, Breaking Kayfabe, when the day was actually the 20th anniversary. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people posting about it um, because he touched that many people. Um, yeah, just a memorable wrestler. Oh yeah, for sure. Certainly one of the all-time greats. Um, let's uh, let's continue with this the squared circle life as we get to the birthdays. Um, why don't we go to the the oldest birthday here? Um, May twenty third, nineteen twenty seven. Mitsu Arakawa. Don't know who that is. Um, well, he was a former tag team champion for the WWF <laughs> International Tag Team Champion. Really? Professor Toro Tanaka. Toro Tanaka. Okay, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Late 60s. Um, AWA wrestler as well. Um, but just notable for wearing those um, international tag team titles for WWF. Okay. Then a notable mention here. Born May 23rd, 1942. Donna Cristinello. She was a famous wrestler during the 70s, teaming up and going against the fabulous Moolah sometimes. And uh, we all just recently have, if you have seen the Viceland stuff with Fabulous Moolah, I don't know if we talked about that one on this show. I think that was the last one. I did, yeah. I watched that. Um, We kind of talked about it in private a little bit, but um, on this show we haven't really discussed it. I did watch it. Um, I thought it was very... Um, I mean, all those vice lands were great. Um, yes, but um, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's all speculation. She's, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to stories like that with someone, you know, who's no longer here to defend themselves, like it's very hard to like, you know, it, it it's it's very hard to like. I don't know. To no, I wouldn't say believe it, but like getting all the facts in order, you know, no, and, you're and, right. tra- you're right. and, and taking everything into account. You know what I mean, like. You don't yeah. want to offend the people that that you know are accusing her of this because this could be true. But you don't also want to offend, you know, Mula's family who is still alive and has to, and and are the ones that are technically defending her from these allegations. The only thing I can say regarding um, the way Mula was as an individual when it came to her students was I heard I, I, the before last year when all of this came out. Um, I've never once heard any stories about any kind of sexual activity when it came to like Mula forcing her girls and pimping her girls out so that they could, so that Mula could make some money. Never heard those stories before ever, but I'm not saying that they aren't true. However, I did hear that Mula did take advantage of them from a financial aspect, not only training them, but also taking a bigger piece of the cut and those girls, you know, would get bumped around and get, you know, destroyed in the ring for very little money yeah. because Mula was their booker. You know, there was actually, I watched a, um, a, a watch along on uh, Pritchard's show last year, the year before it, um, of the Survivor Series, 87. And one of the matches had Mula in it and like a bunch of the girls that she trained. Well, Donna Cristinello is in that match. It's yeah. actually the first women's Survivor Series match from the first Survivor Series yeah. in 1987. And Making Con- history. And Conrad brings up 
the the allegations of like um you know moolah kind of taking advantage of the girl's pay and bruce didn't deny it but bruce didn't also come out and say that it was true either but bruce did say that moolah had a lot of girls under her her tutelage um yeah taking a strong percentage you know and she took a heavy percentage of those girls pay and those girls didn't even know what they were making unless moolah told them so you know what i mean but they were so at the time in the wrestling business women's place in wrestling was so different and very um i don't know how do i put it um they were there i guess they were seen as like an attraction and they were like low on the low on the totem pole so to speak and i'm not trying to offend anybody here but um you know they wouldn't go to the promoter and be like hey what am i really making Uh, instead they would just take moolah's word for it because you know if you kind of went over moolah's head it was looked at as like a sign of disrespect so i mean it's hard to really like when it comes to a situation like that especially that she when she's gone that it's really hard to tell what's true what's not true you just kind of got to take everything into account and maybe come up you know with your own conclusion or connect the dots yourself but um never heard any of the sexual uh you know uh activity stories about moolah and her girls um until last year but the taking advantage financially and and moolah raking in the money yeah i've heard stuff like that over the years yeah and i think uh more involvement with buddy lee as well think he he was a more stronger figure in the sexual aspect of it all yeah that wouldn't surprise me either um all right well so donna cristinello uh she was part of the first survivor series which is making history there they forget a lot of the people involved and that you know they why not embrace that that's awesome there you know it was a five on five women's match sherry martell involved you know yeah, uh, the Glamour people. Girls, the Jumping Bomb Angels, I think, were in that match, too. The the ladies, Judy, WWE Judy Martin, John Marie, yeah. Yeah. Right. Leilani Kai, I think, wasn't she in that as well? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. yep. And Fabulous Moolah, yep. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay, very cool. All right, let's, uh, let's move along with the birthdays. May 23rd, 1950, Frenchie Martin. Memories of him? Um... A guy who I couldn't understand his English. He was Dino Bravo's manager. <laughs> he had a glass <laughs> eye <laughs> and mm-hmm. a French beret. And yeah, that was about it. All I know of Frenchie Martin was, you know, he was, um, you know, I guess he wore, I guess he was a, um, a, a mainstay in the, um, the Quebec territory. And, uh, you know, that's how they, I think he had like a connection with Pat Patterson, like a friendship or, you know, they, they worked together, um, in the territory system in Canada. Um, in that area, in the Montreal area. Um, so that's really all I know about him other than that he was Dino Bravo's manager for a brief time. And when I was a kid, I could never understand, you know, what he's what he could what he sounded like because his English wasn't the best. So yeah, and then didn't he work with the uh, Quebecers as well? No, that was uh, no, no, that was Johnny Polo. Oh, okay, he was phased out um, in the nineties, but. Yeah, Jim, yeah, because eventually Jimmy Hart would be Dino Bravo's manager. Yeah, well, Dino Bravo yeah. kind of bounced around a little bit. He went from like Johnny Valiant to um, to Frenchie Martin to Jimmy Hart. Yeah, to the Grand Wizard of Wrestling originally. He was with the Grand Wizard. In. I didn't know that. That's when we were covering marking out the days. Dino Bravo. Yes. Really, I did not know that. Holy cow! 
Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Wow, I'm sorry. I feel like an asshole. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. I believe he was with the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. Yeah, because uh, he was building a stable at the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. Very cool. Um, Let's go. Frenchie Martin. Happy birthday. Uh, he's a little before my time, and only time I've seen him is uh, you know, Through Dino. getting... Getting the shit kicked out of him, Ultimate Warrior, maybe once or twice. Okay, I think. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, another contributor to the wrestling business in some way, some form, at least a fan. I think. Uh, born on this day, Friday, May twenty third, nineteen fifty eight, Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah, um, entered the Royal Rumble <coughs> in two thousand and one. So that he could plug his shitty comedy show on pay-per-view. A WWE Hall of Famer. Um, I was at that Hall of Fame when they inducted him. Man, I can't tell you how many people got up to go take a piss or go get a beer. Um, <laughs> and then the people that were in the building, like, you could hear him And, like, like I left. I was like, poor. first of all, they were booing Kane. Kane was the one that inducted him, but they were booing Kane because, you know, they knew what was coming. Poor Kane yeah. had to go out there and take the heat, and then they bring this guy out, and Drew Carey was just kind of like, he almost didn't, he almost felt uncomfortable being yeah. there. Like he's like, "What am I doing here? Like, why am I getting this award? Like, he didn't, you know." Here, that was here's just a, here's an award where the or here's a show where the awards don't matter, and the uh, you know neither do the people. Yeah, you know, so like, like whose was, line is it anyways? <laughs> yeah, so that was um, that was uh, you know. Drew Carey's um, brief um, interactions in the world of professional wrestling. But I just remember getting up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get a beer. I get up. I'm in the yeah. beer line. And I could hear, like, them booing him. And, like, he couldn't even complete a sentence. Like, the, the audience was just all over him. Like, poor guy. He was just there just to make a, you know, make a, make a few bucks. And, you know, his agent probably set the whole thing up. And, um, yeah, so that's really about it. Drew, Drew Carey. The only thing that was interesting about his time in wrestling, like I said, was that Royal Rumble um, when he had that quick interaction with Kane. Um, I thought that was a little funny, but I mean, he didn't need to be an entrant in the match. But at the same time, it's got people. It's it's had people talking ever since. You know what I mean? When people talk Royal Rumble moments or stuff with Kane, they bring up the Drew Carey thing. So I mean, I guess it worked. Yeah, true. Happy birthday, Drew. Um, moving on. Friday, May 23rd, 1975. Super Dragon! Okay. Just wanted to do that because he is part of the uh, Botchamania legacy, if you've ever seen that, Dave. No. Um, I mean, I've heard of Botchamania. Um, I think I okay. follow them on Facebook. Um, it's a famous spot where someone in the fan, someone in the crowd at uh, during a Super Dragons match is just cheering him on, going, Super Dragon, just continuously like heckling the entire match, and he gets really heated, um, and they start fighting. No it's kidding, I'll have to good. find the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's funny. <laughs> it's classic Botchmania stuff. Okay, all right, cool. All right, um, Monday, May 23rd, 1983, Alex Shelley. Happy birthday to that young buck. Yeah, um... Talented guy, man. I really liked Alex Shelley um, in TNA. Uh, the stuff he did with Chris Saban, Motor City Machine Guns. I loved, 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 loved the stuff he did with Kevin Nash as a part of the Paparazzi Productions. Um, I don't know. Now, if I wasn't were... too familiar with that. Okay, so Kevin Nash was in TNA. Um, and Kevin Nash was doing this thing where, like, he 
um, he he in like a mocking fashion was like, you know, I'm the greatest X division wrestler of all time. And so like he was feuding with Saban for a while and Nash would have these matches against, you know, some of these X division guys. And he did it in a very like tongue in cheek manner that like the X division was, you know, like what he created and, um, the vanilla midgets. Yeah. You know, so like it, it was, it was, it was done pretty well. It was pretty funny. So I'll never forget this. So they used to do these. They used to do these segments called the paparazzi productions, and they were like backstage segments. And um, Kevin Nash eventually went from feuding with the X Division to mentoring the X Division, and so this was done to help create some of the X Division stars, give them more personality. For instance, like Jay Lethal, Black Machismo, Jay Lethal came from these paparazzi production episodes they gave austin aries a little bit more of a personality with these um uh, who else was a part i mean alex shelley was also part of these too so shelley was kind of like like the x-pac to kevin nash he was like his his sidekick so to speak so nash would do would take all these x division wrestlers and he would have them do like a series of challenges backstage and they would be like why are we doing all this stuff he'd be like and Nash would be like, you know, I'm the greatest X Division wrestler of all time. You need to listen to me if you guys want to be big stars and blah, 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 blah. And it was done in this very, like, comedic fashion. So they had this they had this Bob Backlund push-up challenge because Bob Backlund was eventually a part of this, too, as well. And oh, boy. Yeah. So Nash goes, um, Nash goes, all right, we're going to do the Bob Backlund push-up challenge. Um Jay Lethal, you're going to go first. And Jay Lethal goes, why do I have to go first? And Nash goes, because you're black. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, and I was I was just dying. And then they did, um, they did uh, um, like a mock drug test where like Nash had to drug test all the guys to make sure that they weren't like on the gas. Even uh-huh. though they're smaller X Division wrestlers, <laughs> it was done in this like tongue-in-cheek manner. So like he was... Um, he was the doctor pretending to be the doctor and Alex Shelley came out with like a cocktail cup of like, you know, it looked like Mountain Dew soda, but claiming it was his urine. And he was like, all right, here you go, Kev. Uh, here you go, doc. And then um, all the X division wrestlers were like, we don't take drugs. What are you talking about? Like, why do we have to do this? And it was just, it, if you go back and you YouTube some of that stuff, there's some hidden gems in there, but um Eventually, Jay Lethal became Black Machismo Jay Lethal out of that, where he would do the Macho Man thing. Um, And Nash was kind of like the X-Division mentor, so to speak. He he went from, like, feuding with them to eventually, like, mentoring them to, like, it was some pretty funny stuff. Like, that was probably some of the better stuff that TNA had done over the years. Yeah, better better known in TNA for his tag team with Chris Saban, though. Alex Shelley um, pulled it out a lot there. And ROH, they spent some time there doing that tag team as well. Then Alex Shelley would eventually um, evolve into a tag team with Kushida called the Time Splitters, which I absolutely enjoyed. Every time they teamed up, uh, a lot of tag team tandem moves. Great stuff from Alex Shelley. Happy birthday to Alex Shelley. Yep. Um, Let's move on. The last birthday here. Come in. We're here. He's here. Is that what the doctor said when he was born? Yowie, wowie. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's the new one. Saturday, May 23rd, 1987. Bray Wyatt. Happy birthday. What can you say about him? I think, like, he's... 
I mean, I love the Bray Wyatt character, and I love that this this new incarnation of it with this like creepy children's, you know, Mister Rogers yeah. TV show kind of vibe behind it. But he's got like this multiple split personality. Like, have you ever seen the movie Death to Smoochie with Robin Williams? Yes. Okay, it kind of reminds me of that. It's a very it, like that movie was like about the dark underworld of like children's TV shows. And mm-hmm. Robin Williams played this character, Smoochie. Ed Norton's um, in there, too. Ed yeah. Norton's in there, yeah. There's a few other guys that are in that movie. I forget who else, but it's kind of got that vibe to it. And like a like a creepy Pee-wee's Playhouse, so to speak. Um, yeah, I like the I, gimmick with the gloves where it says... Uh, hurts and heal. Yeah, and that yeah. can really play off with the with the crowd. It's, it's only time will tell with this, though. I mean, so. everything they've done with it leading up to it has been great so far. All the vignettes. Um, I was at Money in the Bank last week in Hartford, and they sold out of the new Bray Wyatt T-shirts. It was a, it was like a cartoon of like him with like a chainsaw that said "Let me in," and they they, they were sold out. I was gonna go get one because I thought like the color scheme of it was pretty cool. It was like a like a turquoise kind of color like a very like bright color that will like pop and i went to the stand they were like we're all out of it i'm like damn so you know it's selling really well if uh, they sell out of it the first night they haven't even made it available yet um on the website there's like you could pre-order it it's not going to be available till like like the beginning of next month but it was available at money in the bank and they were sold out of it so crazy Um, yeah but i mean i love this new character i really hope that this is what's going to kind of really push him to the top and keep him there. I mean, they had plenty of chances previously to really make him into a, um, a big star. Um, I think they didn't do enough with the, with that incarnation of Bray Wyatt. There was a lot of stop and start, whether it was from injuries or creative issues or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, he's got, he's got star written all over him and he's someone that they should be utilizing a lot more. And hopefully they do this time around. Yeah, I recently watched some uh, Husky Harris NXT promo stuff. Someone did like a little compilation on YouTube. Just crazy to see the evolution of that character. The army tank with a Ferrari engine. I didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. And uh, they did a little tease where him and he like him and McGillicuddy were going to possibly team up because they were like third generation superstars or and yeah. uh, then they they even mentioned Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes. So I was thinking, oh, this could have been like a super legacy, you know? Yeah, um, they did. But, like, they were eventually part of Nexus, too. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. For a little yes. While. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. That's what branched off is Nexus. But that was the same time. Legacy was kind of uh, coming down, I think, um, or had just like uh, broken up. So it yeah, would have been Legacy cool to have broke it. up and then like Nexus became a thing like a few months later. So, yep. but you could see moving parts in one of the promos where he's talk. He even shouts out Cody Rhodes and he's talking about him and McGillicuddy being um, legends, born legends. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but uh, Bray Wyatt, we'll see where it goes. Um, that, folks, is the squared circle of life. Let's uh let's do a little plug work before we get into the actual day. Dave, what's going on over at Kicking Out at Two? 
Well, last week we had the Vengeance 2004 Watch Party, which is over in the archives over at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. It's over at SoundCloud as well, over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two. Vengeance was the last time WWE hosted a pay-per-view in the city of Hartford. Um, We celebrated that occasion as we headed towards Money in the Bank, which was last weekend, uh, which I attended. and I'll get into that uh, at another time. But um, this week, talked about it briefly, Owen Hart tribute show, 20 years after his passing. We covered some of his uh, notable career highlights between his, his rivalry with Brett, the stuff he did in Camp Cornette, tagging with Davey Boy, the, 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 the Hart Foundation faction, uh, everything leading up to his passing, discussing the night of his passing and uh, our reactions to it. You can find that over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, soundcloud.com, and our Twitter handle at kicking out two. And next week, Next week's going to be a special one, Cope, because you're going to be a part of it as we're going to do another watch party of the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Wrestle War 1989 main event. It was voted by all the listeners in the poll over at uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash kicking out at two. It beat out um, Hardcore Heaven 1999, WCW Slambury 1999, and Capital Combat 1990. So, um... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sit down and watch the uh, the, the the finale to the nineteen eighty nine trilogy between Flair and Steamboat. We just recently passed the thirtieth anniversary of that, so uh, that should be a lot of fun as we uh, we we watch that classic match between Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. And that's what's going on Absolutely. over at Kicking Out at Two. Cool man, great stuff, and you can always find that at Mark. Uh, you can always find that at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. On Google Play, Stitcher, uh, any podcast app by searching Retromania with a W or searching Kicking Out at 2. Um, guys, let's talk a little bit about WWF superstars. Let's get into it. Let's get into the day. Let's ready, do it, Dave? man. Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Ready to go. All right. It's, it's Saturday morning, and uh, we're here with... Vince and Mr. Perfect to drive you nuts. <laughs> Could you imagine like being, you know, waking up and like you're blasting it and your parents are like, turn that shit down. Uh, I, I've had it. I, that's that's happened to me before. Trust me, I've had the TV <laughs> on too. Li- yeah, I've had the TV on before too loud. And, you know, my, uh, you know, my parents would, you know, say like, turn it down. It's too loud. You know, now it's, it's the same thing. With my wife, my wife still does that, too, to me. She's like, turn that down. It's too loud. Yeah. So, yeah. Just in time for Memorial Day. They're in Syracuse, New York here. Um, We're going to have The Warrior in action, Uh, Money Inc. in action, Undertaker, Kamala, Luke and Butch, The Bushwhackers. And we hear the gong of Undertaker's music, and Vince says, For whom the bell tolls? Which I would love for him to do like a cover of the Metallica song. You know, um, I believe uh, when Undertaker wrestled Triple H at uh, WrestleMania 27 in 2011, um, Triple H came out to um, part of his entrance was Metallica's "For Whom the Bell Tolls." Uh, oh, yeah, but you—it's not on the network because Metallica doesn't like to give away their music, obviously. Um, right. 
We'll do so, it one damn time, you wrestling nerds. Yeah, we'll do it one time, get a big payday, but after that, forget about it. So, um, yeah, so they did that, and um, that was it was part of his entrance, and then he came out to his normal music, but it was like at the beginning um, where there was like, you know, uh, knights and, uh, you know, guys who sort of had kind of like a Game of Thrones kind of vibe to it. Um, yeah, yeah, for, Vince for is just in the headset backstage, like, singing along. He's like, burn the bellows. Everyone's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, does he have to, like, does he have to do it through the headphones right now? Everybody leave the gorilla position now. I need a moment. <laughs> Patterson, you stay. Uh, yeah, The Undertaker comes out with Paul Bear to go against Bill Pierce. Um, Mr. Perfect and McMahon are still trying to hype up the berserker incident from a couple weeks ago and we get a huge choke slam here from the undertaker to bill pierce but he holds the choke and then just chokes his throat down uh remember when undertaker like choked a lot and did like face holds and yes glove, you know yeah, yeah a lot of glove work yep i do remember that yeah and the, he, i mean he i can't remember honestly like when the last time he's done that in recent memory but yeah like his signature was like throw you in the corner and then just choke you and then you're like the camera's like the cameraman's on the floor and he like peers up and under you could see like undertaker's hair like dangling over his face but yep. his eyes rolling in the back of his head like yeah oh yeah that was some solid stuff yeah um during the match we get a picture in picture with the berserker and mr fuji saying they're gonna kick the undertaker's head off we will see uh, Undertaker uses a big boot and then he starts walking the rope. Phenomenal stuff here. All the classics. He does a tombstone with that patented cover. One, two, three. This is like patented, slow plotting Undertaker, like we just talked about. Yes. And some girl in the front row is about to turn goth because she looks like turned on. She's like, uh. <laughs> and she's probably 11, so that's a little right. creepy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then we get an update with Mean Gene. He talks about the curse of Papa Shango on the Ultimate Warrior, and we recap last week's bit of entertainment with the uh, vomiting and everything. <laughs> the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, mean Gene throws the pop. <laughs> mean Gene throws the Papa Shango, and Papa Shango has a, a promo about owning the spirit of the Undertaker, and he owns the Undertaker himself. Undertaker or the Warrior? Uh, I'm sorry. The no, Warrior. Okay. Sorry, I got I got Taker on the brain. He turned me on. I was Look at that. I was I was I was venting as the girl. I was projecting. So okay. Fair I enough. was that I was that goth girl. Okay. Uh Dwayne the Gill comes out. That's Dwayne Gill, everybody. No, you know, just keep it. Don't even explain it. Just okay. just say yeah. Dwayne the Gill from now on. It, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's going to become a t-shirt. He is set to go against the man who's oozing meat thoth. It's Virgil. Virgil wins with a sleeper. Nothing to see. Clearly. Yeah. Then Vince pimps posters, too. And he talks about the posters that are inside. The Undertaker and the immortal Hulk Hogan. Uh, where is Hulk? Huh? Yeah, I don't know. What was he doing at that time? I think he's filming a movie. Filming a movie, yeah, probably, yeah. Filming a movie. Uh, maybe it was uh, Mr. Mister Nanny, maybe? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, Money Inc. come out with the WWF tag team titles. They are the champions. They go against Mark K. and Jim Powers. It's not bad. It's a fast-paced match for like Money Inc. Um, we get a power slam from Ted, and then a huge jumping clothesline from IRS. One, two, three. They go over. Yeah. Not too bad. No, no, not yeah, solid stuff. By the way, the championships are the Blue Globe WWF yes, Tag Team still. titles. Still, yeah, yeah. I know we talked about the fascination of the uh, the tag team titles at one point. Um, oh, we're gonna we're gonna see when they change. I okay. guess. All right. We're going to keep our eye out, dude. All right, yeah. We're gonna, so it's going to be a thing. Each and every time the Money, Inc. is on Superstars, we're going to update all of you if they have new championship belts or if they are still the Blue Gold, Blue Gold Globe, excuse me, championship belts. Because that's what we do here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. We point out the useless shit that nobody cares about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we go to Sean Mooney in the event center, and he says... Kids, do not, a try, do not attempt to try these moves on a friend or family member. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. There was four of us I'll Rosenbluth just do it to boys. my wrestling buddy. Yeah, there was four of us Rosenbluth boys, plus a couple of wrestling buddies. We had like a Survivor Series match in our house on a weekly basis. Oh, so awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, we had the, whole, we had the Macho King and the, and the Ultimate Warrior Wrestling Buddy. We had two Ultimate Warrior Wrestling Buddies, as a matter of fact. So between that, the four of us, and, you know, there's the three wrestling buddies. We had a handicap match from time to time, maybe even a Royal Rumble. Yeah. So fuck you, Sean Mooney. We didn't listen to you. Yeah, they were they they all turned out fine, guys. Yeah, so, we, I mean we you know I mean and nobody and got they, hurt. You know what the interesting? Let me just give you a little brief rundown of what our you know our uh, our matches used to be like. We used to live in a in a two bedroom condo when we were kids, and the four of us <laughs> shared a bedroom. Okay, imagine that four people in one room, and we had bunk beds, and then we had my father's old trundle bed. Which for those of you youngsters out there listening, a trundle bed is pretty much like a regular full-size bed and then there's like a drawer underneath that's got a mattress that you just like pull it out and it's called a trundle bed um i don't even know if they still sell those nowadays um but anyhow um the trundle bed the drawer the bottom of it used to connect to the the bottom bunk bed so we used to have ourselves like a ladder match or a scaffold match a cage match so we had our own little arena in our bedroom Um, that's awesome yeah, so there were times when, you know, I had the top bunk, of course, but when my brothers used to go to bed before me, when one of them little bastards used to take the top bunk, so I couldn't sleep in the top bunk, so I'd be <laughs> on the bottom bunk, and then I'd wake up the next morning, and one of them would fucking elbow drop me off the top of the bunk. Bu- off of the top bunk to the trundle bed and then the, then the shit was on after that then we just you know we, we we beat the crap out of each other you know cage match scaffold oh, match awesome. i think we re, i think we redid the cornet um scaffold match bump from starcade 86 on our bunk beds oh nice someone yeah. blew their knees out yeah I mean, and for real too like we really fucked each other up like yeah so we were the epitome <laughs> of like you know do not try this at home because we that's did that's cool that's like awesome. Lot. I love stories like that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Man. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Uh, we go actually to a promo of High Energy. That's Coco Beware and Owen Hart. Um, they're, uh, Coco says, all the school kids are talking about a natural high and high energy. <laughs> and don't, hey, Coco, be weary, dude. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> 
as Coco right, needs to is, be shutting the fuck up because Vince is going on trial for steroids. Like for exactly, real. he's like, "What the hell did he just say? God damn it!" Who let um, this in? <laughs> yeah, uh, Owen cuts cuts the rest of the promo, and then Coco belts in, and I'm gonna have to cut the audio in eventually um, in post. But he just goes, "High energy." Yeah, and every time he raised his voice, like Frankie would like get all worked up and like smack him in the face with his feathers. Yeah, but he just sounds like um, Louis Armstrong, just like oh singing, high, belting out high energy at the end. Yeah, I'm gonna cut it in. It's great. <laughs> uh, then we go to Rick the model. Yeah, Rick the model Martel, and he talks about his new trend. That's that feather. It's the same shit for the last three weeks. When will we get that match? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, we go to a commercial and back, and it's the British Bulldog coming out to go against Barry Hardy. And Repo Man has a picture-in-picture during this match, and he talks about dogs ruining his business, and he's got a dog collar for the Bulldog. Shame they didn't have a dog collar match. Uh, Davey wins with a running power slam, one, two, three. Not too much to see there. Yeah, standard bulldog over enhancement talent stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Sean Mooney then tosses to uh, Rick and Mr. Perfect sitting on a picnic, but in between them is some knockoff version of Liz. Doesn't it look like Liz? It's like Kmart Liz. Um, Yeah, I would have to say it was like, you know, generic, like, yeah, for sure. Like you like store brand Liz as opposed to like, you know, um name brand Liz. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh Rick is still um talking about Liz won't leave me alone. And he says he uh she keeps leaving messages for him. Uh and I I didn't notice the boombox at first, but Perfect stops the boombox which was playing Rick Flair's music. Throws out the cassette tape, slaps yes. it with his hand, grabs another cassette tape, puts it in, and it's the voicemails of uh, Rick. But it has the greeting at the beginning, which yeah. is awesome. He's oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's so fucking great. What a classic little bit here. I love you, you it. Know what I, you know what I loved about it? I don't know if you caught this, but Perfect had a grape and he went to go give it to the knockoff Liz. And as she opened her mouth, he took it away from her and slapped it like he did a piece of gum, like like his the gum spit that he does for his normal awesome. stick. Yeah, he like awesome. turned around. She was ready to ready to eat the grape. And then he was just like, nah, and he just chucked it. I thought it was uh, that, that, that tickled me a little bit. I thought that was funny. Perfect stuff. Rick. Um, Rick's voicemail has some Liz quote unquote, saying she has a sweet homecoming for Rick. And he says, I don't want her, but I'll be leaving with the belt. All so, right. uh, well, this is yeah. 1992. Obviously, Flair's playing up a character. But, uh, you know, if, if he was Rick Flair wasn't turning down a blowjob, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, you yeah. know, if, if he was getting a sweet homecoming from someone, I'm sure he was going to I'm sure he was going to take it. And from all the stories that Rick Flair has even told about his his personal life and his sex life over the years on the road. I'm surprised he still has a dick. Uh, right. So, <laughs> I'm surprised that fucking thing hasn't fallen off and it's not in the warehouse in Stamford for WWE. They're not going to put it on display at the fucking fan access in a glass case. But um, the baby's arm, as Tony Schiavone would like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Um so nice stuff there, just adding on the attention for Macho Man and Ric Flair, who will eventually meet again. Um, 
Crush then has a promo, and he says, you don't want to be around when Crush comes crashing down. And I guess, you know, I know Vince was real big on Big Crush at the time right now, and, you know, Hogan's shooting a movie, and he's thinking, it comes crushing down and it crushes inside. Crush, 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 crush. That was going to be the theme song to that Crush uh, grape soda that they were going to fucking market and put out and sell at the WBF pay-per-view June the 13th. Only on pay-per-view. So much sugar, you'll never crash. (laughs) That's Crush. Crush, crash, same damn thing. Yeah. All right. Um, The Beverly Brothers and the Penis, uh, the Genius... Um, have a promo about LOD once again. It's a slow burn for all these feuds because it's a hour-long show and we have a pay-per-view every four months, three months. So, The mighty LOD, they are not so fair. The mighty LOD, did they just find my pubic hair? That's why the no, LOD stick the out genius. their tongue. <laughs> I found that little dick, and pretty soon, I can't think of another rhyme this week, but I'll come up with one next week about my little dick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Bobby Knight then is in the ring, ready to face the Mountie with Jimmy Hart. And we go to this phony green screen where Vince and Mr. Perfect are doing the commentary. And, uh, you know, you have the ring and the crowd in the background. Yes. I like I like those, though, for the in-studio, like, you know, tape overs. Gives you a sense that they, they're there watching it. Or at, le- at least they're watching the version that they need to do the commentary for live. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I liked it. I, I thought it was... Um, I. I, I it, even as a kid, like, you knew something was, like, I, I didn't know the terminology of TV at the time, but you knew something was a little different when, like, they, you know, you you would cut to Vince and, and whoever he was working with, and, you know, they have the same crowd in the background, um, that green screen, you know, eventually would, we would know it to be a green screen as I got older, but, um, yeah, I always liked the... Um, the, the cutaways where they're like sitting the cameras behind them the the monitors in front of them and then you got the green screen of the the action that they're watching in the ring I thought that was very well done me too me too um, as the match is going on we get a picture in picture with Sergeant Slaughter talking about it's Memorial Day and I want to thank all those who died and then goes into the Mountie saying I'll never surrender uh, Mr. Perfect says, speaking of people who died, what about that doctor with the throw up on his face? And Vince goes, <laughs> he did not die. <laughs> it's like, that Jesus Christ. Yeah, that I love that stuff. bit. Yeah. Vince just going, he did not die. He's like, the kids are going to fucking talk about this in school next. It's like, yeah, you know, the ultimate warrior, that's not him. And then his throw up killed that doctor. <laughs> My uncle told me. <laughs> no. uh, the Mountie wins. Boo, boring stuff here. Vince says that Jack Tunney says that if the Mountie uses the shock stick again, there will be impunitive action. So Jack Tunney is still around, but we don't like really see him right now. Is he getting kind of phased out at this time? Um, I don't How long f- does he stick around? Jack Tunney's around till I want to say like 
94, maybe even early 95. I, I, okay. I, I think. Um, yeah, no, Tunney just, his, his appearances were always few and far between um, as a kid. You know, he was only around for like the, the important decisions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they would either do like cutaways to like his office and he would announce something or he would be in the arena to make you know a big announcement like i kind of brought this up on our uh on the uh, the royal rumble 1994 watch along that we did on kicking out at two where tunny was only in a part of big moments and big decisions and one of them was when luger and brett um tied oh and, you're uh, right so he yeah he did stick around 94 we covered that yeah for yeah. the coin toss and then the decision and he uh, was yeah. really only like part of like the big moments which like you know made his position that much important whereas like in recent years when you have an on-screen authority figure where they were their commissioner a general manager a dictator whatever they whatever the title was uh, they were there every week it was like so-and-so in his office some guy walks in he wants a match against this guy they make it bing bang boom like there was it was just the concept was watered down yeah um, we um we talked about this on our, our old format of marking out the days the early ones where yes. we covered raws from 1994 yeah you clearly put it well it's like he he was used at the right increments you know not too much not too little and even here vince can just say jack tunney says this this without you know throwing to him or doing anything and it makes it you know it makes it effective in the storyline him was done well so yeah the use of him was done well right here um like like we said just you know vince could like bring him up and say he made this little twist in the storyline without you know going all out and being right there and having a 20 minute bit at the beginning of the set of the show you know yeah um i think you know as as much as the um the the authority figure um has evolved over the years like i mean you know vince kind of really evolved it himself with his you know by playing himself as the boss um in the late 90s um in many ways he was too good at it and it kind of watered it down where like everybody else that was involved in you know an authoritative kind of role um helped water down the concept didn't live up to like what vince kind of presented you know like eric bischoff Mm -hmm. and all the other gms you know that that um that you know had uh came after him um you know that going back and scaling it back a little bit it's almost like they're kind of doing that now in some respects if you think about it um with 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 some of the um with like the McMahons being, you know, back in charge, so to speak. Um, they're not on almost every week with the exception of Shane recently, but like Stephanie's not on every week. Vince is not on every week. Um, they're kind of going back to that a little bit, but they're still kind of implementing that like late nineties model of what an authority figure was. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it is what Time it is. Will tell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time will tell. See how that, that works out. <laughs> Uh, this segment continues as the Mountie gets out his stick and he chases the ref off and threatens Bobby Knight and uh, Bobby Knight runs under the ropes and uh, yeah, the Mountie grabs the mic and tells the music person to start playing his music and he starts singing his song, What a Dweeb, and they go to a replay of it. Jeez, he's healing it up right here. 
Vince then talks about the Coliseum Classic, uh, Crunch Classics, and they're going to have a special on-the-road segment with Jimmy Hart and Roddy Piper. I wonder what the hell that is like. Come on, baby. You got to do this cocaine, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't you know, Jimmy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, I'm right, yeah. yeah. I got a good eight ball in me. <laughs> just, when you, just when you think you know where we're going, I change the direction. <laughs> oh, come on, baby. Come on, baby. We got to follow the rules. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, then we go to the podium with Mean Gene, and he welcomes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the ultimate warrior. Warrior comes out with a sports coat, which I really like. Dig it. Yeah, Dig those, it. Uh, those like, team jackets. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a, yeah, a warrior teamster. Um, he says, I've never been in control of my destiny. Really? It's, it's all the warriors that are in control of the destiny, he says. So it's our fault that he gets caught for steroids and has to leave. <laughs> this year. It's our fault. Everybody. It's our fault that the first version of you died. And the second yes. ver- and it's also our fault that the second version of you came back. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's our fault. Uh, so it's everybody else. So let me ask you something. Is it our fault? That he really died in 2014. Did we kill Ooh, the ultimate? It wasn't warrior? his destiny. He wasn't in control of it. So yeah, it's got to be someone else's fault, not his. You know. Yeah. <sighs> it was the power. Too much power from the warriors. Everybody fucking. Uh, yeah, you guys gave him too much fucking power. That's what happened. Um, Such a right. shame. Then, then he says, uh, "The voodoo is a challenge that I will survive." And then all of a sudden, he bleeds green and black from his forehead. And it spills on that jacket. And he yells, Warrior! And stares at his hand and walks off. Wow. I thought that What'd was you think well, of this? I thought that was well done. Like the whole, like, the, me too. You know, the bleeding of the whatever, the, the black voodoo blood, or I don't know what they call they, they didn't even really refer to it as anything. They, they just hit it well. Yeah, they hit it well. But the really tight camera shot, I'm guessing it was some substance that came from the ceiling. Um, and they just timed it perfectly. Either that or, I mean, yeah, it had to have been. Um, but I think it was like a, yeah, it's like a pump that. They use it for props. Okay. But uh, they hit it well. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it was in the jacket. I don't know. Um, but that, that, oh, that was yeah. a, and that was another reason why he wore the jacket too. It was white, so the visual, knowing what this stuff was that was coming down on him and the tight camera shots, it was it was done pretty well. And like I said last week, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, the as a kid, the impact that Papa Shango's character had on me, it was like, oh wow, like this guy's scary. This is something different, you know. Like and doing this kind of yeah, stuff, he's dur- affecting the war. Yeah, during this time period, like. I was always a Hulkamaniac. Still am to this day. Never really okay. cared for the Ultimate Warrior. But it made you care about Warrior just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, this was the real this was the real vulnerability in Ultimate Warrior's character. With the exception of maybe that time when Undertaker locked him in the casket. These were like the, the very minimal times that we saw vulnerability in his character. And this was a good this was a good uh, a case of it here. Certainly. Um, we go next to Vince Sola and the Dublin Destroyer to go against Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers. Easy victory here for the Bushwhackers. 
Um, there's a guy in the crowd that's doing the whoa, ah, and Vince says, "Oh my goodness, is he a relative of the Duggan?" <laughs> well, Duggan licked, you know, he stuck his tongue out, and he was a little weird too. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I think this member of the crowd uh, couldn't help the way he looked, though. Anyhow, Vince, sick burn there. <laughs> we we go to a commercial and come back. Because Vince usually doesn't comment like that. You know, it's Mr. Perfect. That's why I'm just bringing No, I get it. I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we go to a commercial and come back. Harvey Whippleman announces Kamala out here with Kim Chi and his opponent, Carrie Davis, who gets choked and chopped and hit with a spinning back kick. And Kamala is on fire in this match. Um, he splashes the back, and he has to be told to roll over Carrie Davis. And one, two, three, Kamala wins. Now, here I have a question for you while I was watching this. Uh, remember a few weeks ago when we, um, when Crush wrestled, um, uh, what's his name, from uh, Orient Express, uh, Kato? Yes. Was Kato uh, moonlighting as Kim Chi as well? Because Kato had the same red mask as Kim Chi. <laughs> no, um, uh, Kim Chi was the Brooklyn Brawl. I know that, but in this instance. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, if, they're sharing a mask. Yeah. So that just got some, I always it's some that. Patterson rib. You guys got to share the mask. They're actually my underwear. You know, right? um, if you uh, if you share the mask, you can pretend like you sit on the other guy's face um, when you when you, sh <laughs> yeah. when you share the mask. You smell the 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 the, the nose juice and the, you know the, yeah oh yeah yeah. Uh, then uh, you want to do this bit of Vince um, pimping. What do we got here? What's he pimping out? Is he pimping out that WBF again? Yeah, the magazine. Gary Stridham and some blonde that gave me a blowjob before the show started. Uh, <laughs> you could pick up the WBF magazine at your local newsstands right now. Uh, he talks about, we're going to have a special look at sterile. That was what they won't tell yeah. you. Uh, the WWF and the WBF. We have an anti-steroid stand. This is the damage control oh, okay. issue of the sure. WBF magazine right now on newsstands. <laughs> exactly. The editor exactly. of this magazine is my attorney. <laughs> and don't forget the uh, pay-per-view coming up in a month. Yeah. WBF. Riding and sliding. Uh, oh, sorry. Never mind. That was me earlier. <laughs> oh, shit. We go to Sean Mooney in the event center, and he tosses to Sean Michaels. Jack, rah, rah, uh, nah, the, the toy boy, the Sean Michael guy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Sean Michaels is like, uh, rah, nah, rah, nah. who's that little dog character? What am I? Uh, what am I? Th I'm thinking like the dog. The dog from like, yeah, from like uh, Tom and Jerry or something. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's what Sean Michaels sounds like to me. Sometimes. Really. <laughs> when he does that, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. When Vince does Sorry. it, or when Sean does it? When Sean does it, I'll have to go back and uh, watch that again. Didn't really, didn't right, really pick Jack. up on that, but okay. Yeah. He cut. He cuts a promo about Bret Hart, and his days are behind him. And it's Sean's days now, and he's going to be the Intercontinental Champion, and we'll see. And. It's coming to the sexiest man in the WWF, is what he says. And then pretty soon He's it'll be Sherry's man. days, and then Sonny's days, and then who else's days yeah. is gonna, gonna, gonna get from the heartbreak yeah. kid? Yeah, you never know. A lot of days. A lot of days. The yeah. heart, the heart day, the heartbreak day. 
Yeah. That's all right. The daybreak kid. The daybreak kid. Yeah. The lunch break kid, because he's got enough time to fucking give Sherry a few pumps during a lunch break before she's got to got to go back to going back to business. Yeah. yeah. I'll be honest yeah. with you. When I was a kid, man, I thought Sherry was an ugly woman. I didn't really care for her. Maybe just because the way she presented herself, like verbally and visually. But 36 years old, man. God damn. Sherry. Whew. Man, I can see. I've, I've talked about this plenty. Yeah, that that is like my favorite. She I mean, she's uh, not one of my favorites, but like low key, like man, holy yeah. moly, why did you have to die? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she even looked good with the Booker T uh, in the Harlem Heat yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, even then, sister Sherry. She was, uh, yeah, she was, she was getting older. Sherry, we're coming for you. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sister, sister, we're coming for you. Uh, yeah. The Natural Disasters have a promo here, and they've been wondering how Jimmy Hart is sleeping at night. Why? Why would you do that? Don't don't think about Jimmy Hart at all. But they are coming for anybody in his camp, the Nasty Boys, Money, Inc. They want the titles. Sean Mooney says, The Natural Disasters have started a war with Jimmy Hart's Brute Squad. Brute Squad? That's a that's a first. Yeah, it's a new one. Interesting. We're we're the hosting squad. Maybe we could change it to the brute squad. I mean, I know you've been working out. Brute, I've been working out to, myself. You know, br- so, brute. Yeah. We'd have to you know sla- you know put a few splashes of that brute cologne on to really. Uh, oh yeah. You know to really you know enhance our the classic uh, stuff. Yeah yeah exactly the the stuff in the green bottle yeah a little splash of brute on yeah with a couple of fanny packs and a and a visor yeah we're good. And then one of my favorite segments ever, uh, I will do the intro and you can do the honors, my friend. Okay. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> Is that Alfred Hayes? Yeah. <laughs> you sounded like Alfred Hayes was crying at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he always doing that? <laughs> <laughs> It's like the one of the first, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Macho Man. When it came to Slim Jim, like, I mean, I never knew what a Slim Jim was until Macho Man, you know, did them in the, you know, with the, the commercials. Uh, you ever heard the story about how Savage uh, took the Slim Jim deal with him to WCW? I think we we might have discussed. Oh yes, that's it. right. We did. We did. We have discussed. I have a tendency to repeat things on this show. So for no, those okay. of you out there that listen, that are regular listeners, and I repeated something, just slide in my DMs and tell me to go fuck myself. I'll, you know, I, I, I completely, Jesus. yeah, I completely understand why you would be upset. I hate when people repeat things too, just like myself. So, but yeah, um, yeah. So that was it, really. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was very subtle. It wasn't too, uh, wasn't too over the top yet. No, not yet. In later years, 1996, maybe, 97. Okay. That's when it gets, oh, yeah, <laughs> getting crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so next week on WWF Superstars, The Natural Disasters, Big Boss Man, Legion of Doom, Papa Shango, and an update on The Warrior. Okay, we'll see. Very solid stuff. Yeah, this episode breezed by for me. It certainly did for me, too, as well, I will say. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the only the only drawback, I think, and it's, and it's minor, but 
Um, if they wanted to save some time, um, or at least maybe fit someone else into another segment, they could have taken the recap of when Papa Shango cursed the Ultimate Warrior, and they could have kind of incorporated clips of that into Warrior's promo with Mean Gene. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Because they kind of like, str- I mean, I get like, I get. Yeah, they stretched it out. They stretched it out, and I understand that because it was a it was a main focal point of the show. But, um, you know, if you wanted to incorporate another match or another interview segment with someone else, like, I thought that that would have been the perfect time to do it. Or Gene could have still did the magazine update, and they could have highlighted something else in that instead. You know what I mean? So, um, but that's just minor. Yeah. That's nothing that's like, you know, I'm not losing my mind like the rest of the internet does these days when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, move on. 6.05, Saturday night. WCW Saturday night. It's Missy Hyatt starting out on a trampoline. She says, uh, this is something DDP told me about. You mean DDP yoga in 1992 was going down? Sweet. That is Pretty interesting. Cool. That is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have JR, and he is with his guest, Dave Casper. Who the hell is Dave Casper? I believe he was a former football player for uh, the uh, oh, of course. for the, uh, the the Raiders. Um, which in, in that, I, I tell you, you got to get that Dave Casper. Everybody loves him. Everybody knows who that is. But now he sells life insurance or health insurance or something like that. He was an insurance yeah, salesman because Jr. was pimping his insurance too at one point. Gotta get that health insurance, you know, because if uh, you know you you uh, you know you break a tooth eating some of that barbecue sauce or you know you you know old uh, you know slip slip on a banana peel while you get in the ring, you know you're gonna need, you're gonna need some help there in the insurance, you know, so you can get a hospital bill, whatever. You know, go see Dave Casper for health insurance and call a hotline right now. One hundred nine hundred nine nine hundred. I'll get you the full scoop on how you can get the inside scoop and the details on Dave Casper's health insurance. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. They talk about the upcoming matches tonight with Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Dustin Runnels, Nikita Koloff, going <clears throat> against Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko of the DA. Yeah. Okay. So, next up. We have Ricky Morton with Tracy Smothers going against the Steiners, who are the WCW Tag Team Champions. This is not a bad, not a bad match, with all the people involved. You know, no, from a talent uh, perspective, yeah. I mean, all four guys, um, it, it worked well. I, be, I believe this was during the time period where they were trying to. I mean, they didn't really know what to do with Ricky Morton. He was still a singles guy, and they were referring to him as Richard Morton. Um, mm-hmm. I believe like he still kind of was playing the heel, even though there was no, um, what was the name of the group? Uh, the, uh, the, the York foundation. Yes. There wasn't that, that, that didn't exist anymore, but he was still, he was still kind of floundering. I wouldn't say you would call Ricky Morton an enhancement talent during this time period, but, um, he just was kind of like a utility oh, getting player. Getting close. Yeah, getting close. Yeah. And Tracy Smothers, another one too, still, you know, living in the days of the young pistols and, uh, you know, he was he wasn't doing much either, so they just kind of threw these guys together, and they knew that they were going to have a good match with the Steiners, and it was a pretty good match. It was a solid match to open up the show. I liked it. Yeah, Rick hits a double clothesline on Ricky and Tracy, and then a Steiner line, uh, and Scott Steiner comes in, double underhook powerbomb, and a double team move where it's the bulldog off the top I love top that finisher. Rope. Man. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. One, two, three. They call it a mercy killing. Yeah, 
pretty good. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, this was also done too to to um, highlight the Steiners' uh, role in the NWA World Tag Title Tournament, um, which number one seed. Yeah, number one seed, which was interesting because uh, <clears throat> I didn't remember this as a kid, but. They were there was also WCW tag team titles and there was US tag team titles. So there were essentially three tag team championships in WCW at this time. Um, yeah, which I wasn't really aware of back then. Not at least I didn't remember. I should say um, that there were three championships at this time. But I believe this was kind of like the beginning of the end with WCW's relationship. With the National Wrestling Alliance, this was like the, t- yes. the tail end of it. But um, yes, yeah, I just I was kind of I found it fascinating that there were three tag team titles um, that were all a part of uh, WCW at the time. And ironically enough, in today's current WWE, there's more than three tag team championships. But if you count all the brands between NXT, NXT UK, Raw, SmackDown, the women's tag team titles, um, they'll probably come up with a twenty four seven tag title. Coming up, um, a 205 tag title, you know, who knows? But yeah, there's, um, I just found it interesting. I was like, wow, three tag team championships at that time, and there weren't enough teams yeah. to even be, you know, three have three tag team championships, you know what I mean? Because a lot of these teams in the NWA tournament were just one offs, you know, it was right, they, they were just th- two, two singles guys thrown together, or you know, two guys from uh, you know, other countries because it had like this worldly, you know, Olympic style kind of feel to the tournament um yeah so that was that was uh that was you know the the case in wcw just found it interesting yeah yeah it was an interesting time for them we go to jr and dave who are back with ddp good god ddp's (laughs) red fringe jacket looks terrible but ddp is talking about his new show down with ddp that's not the downward dog with DDP. That's something him and Kim were doing at the time. Oh, Later, he worked it into his DDP yoga stuff. It's a long story. Anyhow, Pauly Dangerously will be his first guest. And Paul E. is here, and he's trying to figure out the video that DDP is going to cut to. And he's making these wild guesses. But DDP introduces this video, and it's Medusa and Paul E. Uh, making a payment to the woman who was accusing Ricky Steamboat of cheating on his wife. So it was a it was a lie. It was a payoff. Well, I mean, you know, throughout the course of these yeah, last few weeks, we kind of knew that. Here's what I found interesting out of all of this, okay? And we kind of alluded to it on last week's show when we talked about DDP um, finding Ricky Steamboat backstage and trying to discuss something with him. DDP was a bad guy back then. What were they trying yeah. to do and accomplish with him? Was he there to stir it up and eventually do something against the dangerous alliance because he was the one that introduced this video um or was this just like he was just you know right place right time and they needed someone like him to be the one to introduce it and there was nothing that was going to come of it you know what i mean yeah Um, i'm not sure he was mixing he was stirring some stuff up so we will see where it goes though i guess yeah that was interesting i thought that was kind of you know Mm -hmm. He's a bad guy, but why is he doing this to Paulie? But you know, maybe yeah. they're turning him. Paulie, yeah. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, Paulie is obviously pissed here, um, which gets Ricky Steamboat's mu- music to hit, and the fans go crazy in this little studio area. 
because this is in that studio. Center um, stage, Atlanta, yeah. Georgia. Yep, and they only have the three ropes going right now, and the one rope is removed, so it looks like a stage, which is pretty cool. Uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, comes out while Bobby, Larry, and Arn, the dangerous alliance, come out to protect Paul. Where's Steve? Where's Steve Austin and Rick? What's going on with them? Um, but, yeah, who knows? I know that uh, it, it's probably just the guys that were advertised for the main event. You know. Yeah, true. So. so building up for that, um, Ricky does a little awesome bit here where he jumps and uh, he gets to he gets to Paul E. But there's a brawl that breaks out with Nikita and Dustin coming out to help Ricky and everybody brawls. That's going to be the main event. Wow, good stuff here. That was like that, that was a good bit. segment. I liked it. And it got you jazzed up for the main event. Yep. We go to a commercial and come back and JR and Dave are talking about the Super Invader having a match coming up. And then we talk about Sting and Vader. They have a match signed. And they toss to Sting, who's the WCW champion. He says, you hurt me, Vader. And now you're coming for the world title. Uh, maybe I should hand it over. Or maybe I should just be Sting and beat on my chest a little bit. And... uh he goes, the thought of the belt around your waist is enough to make me sick. And I'm going to be the champion for a long, long time. And one more thing, Vader. Ah! I feel so good. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, Captain Awkward over here. <laughs> yeah, the yell at the end. It was like guttural. He, uh, like, it's thing. like he got stabbed in the phrase. fucking kidney. <laughs> one more thing. Let me get my lime in because it's signature. I have to do it. Yeah. Ow! Okay. You know, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, one more thing, Vader, and just like stepped on like something. Ow! Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Sing. Thank you. Uh, we will see how that match turns out. Exciting stuff. Yep. Coming out, the Super Invader um, against Steve Pritchard and Larry Santo. He power bombs both of them and pins both of them one, two, three. Then he throws one of the guys onto the other guy um, from inside the ring outside. Yeah, over so the top. They're making rope, super, yeah. yeah, they're making Super Invader look pretty strong here. Wonder what he's working up to. Yeah, we shall see. Oh yeah, he um, the one of the worst. They said they said he was from what Thailand, right? Yeah. So he's like one of the worst martial artists Bangkok. ever. Bangkok, yeah, yeah. Bangkok, Thailand. Um, his martial arts ability. Um, was awful. We talked about this last week. It was Hercules Hernandez under the mask. Um, but here's what I noticed this week, and I think he had it on last week too. That like forearm thing that he's got around his uh, his 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 right arm. Um, uh -huh. It looked like like a children's swimmy that you wear, like the kids wear like around their fucking arms when they go in the pool. Like he's got it around <laughs> his forearm. If you if you go back and watch it, it's like what the fuck is that for? Like yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, as a kid, Super Invader was a little intimidating, but yes. you know, now like he'd probably like be like in the Botchamania Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Put a mask on some guy with some muscles, and as a kid, I was like, oh, he's dangerous. Yeah, um, we get a commercial for the NWA Tag Team Tournament. It's Lance Russell and Easy E. And they say it's only the best. It's starting Monday, July 2nd at the Clash of the Champions. It'll end July 12th. We'll have the quarters, the semis, and the finals at the Great American Bash. And Eazy-E pimps 
the competition, the number one seeds, like we talked about, are the Steiner brothers, Rick and uh, Scott. And they have a little promo where Rick says, I'm not even able to say the Puerto Rican guy's names. It's like, Jesus, he probably thanks, just can't pronounce Rick. them. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the names are Perez. And yeah, that's really hard. Okay. And then we talk. <laughs> then they talk to Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams, and they're going to be wrestling. They've been wrestling in the Orient. Jesus Christ, some more stuff. Not the Orient, but yeah, whatever. Okay. We wrestle uh, we a couple a pr- Oriental guys, them fellas, them little Oriental Chinese guys over in right, the yeah, Orient. Exactly. Like, come on. Like- <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Terry and Doc. Terry and Dr. Death, they look, well, at least Terry looks awful right here. And I know, like, he's, at this time in real life, I know he's, like, taking a lot of pills and drinking a lot. And he just looks bad for the cause. Um, yeah. Dr. Death cuts most of the promo and Bam Bam just mumbles at the end. Yeah, because he uh, probably just finished a line before he fucking, they, they, uh, they turn the red light on. Oh, that's terrible. I got to take all these uppers because I took all these downers. Michael. Oh, Michael not here. Michael. Michael. (laughs) We going to get out of here, Michael. So for the next uh, two weeks, we'll be previewing some of the uh, other teams in these tournaments. It'll be cool. Uh, We go to a commercial and come back, and it's Joey Mags and Jerry Blossom. What a name. Because that's very intimidating for a pro wrestler name. What's your name? I'm Jerry Blossom. <laughs> they go against. The genius should manage him. For oh, Christ yes. Sakes. Mm. Uh, that's quite the awesome blossom you have down there. <laughs> Thank you. Mind if I suck it? <laughs> the... <laughs> The team of Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams come out and destroy Joey Mags and Jerry Blossom. A huge slam and a win. Uh, they look coked out and jacked out. They're like, yeah! It's a, uh, yeah. Crowd pop for them. Oh, though. I They're know. supposed to be heels. Yeah. Crowd pop for them. So um, it's another one of those instances, and we talked about it on our first episode, where it's like a sign of the times that, like, things are changing, that, like... Um, at least during this time in WCW that like the more realistic looking characters are getting over as opposed to the more colorful characters that was like the norm in all of wrestling. So even though these two are supposed to be heels, um, they got a big pop unless that like, unless the way that they taped these matches, that this was the first match and the crowd was just hot for anybody. But you know, the first match was Steiner's and against uh, Ricky Morton and Tracy Smothers, unless they had like the, the, the sequences out of order and then they put them in whatever order they, they liked. Um, I don't know, but um, yeah, it was, uh, I was kind of surprised that the, that them two came out and the, the crowd in the studio was really hot for them. Definitely. So was JR. He loves Dr. Death. Well, yeah, not my boy, not my boy, doc. Yeah, I don't care about that coked up Terry Bam Bam. I like my boy Doc over here. You know, if Dr. Death could be a part of this tag team tournament, he wouldn't need a partner. He is tougher than a $2 steak in Oklahoma on a Saturday night in Muskogee. I was 
I was going to say. <laughs> on payday. At payday. I forgot to say on payday. Call on the payday. hotline right now. 1-900-909-9900. Right now. Dollar four nine first minute. 99 cents each additional minute. I'm going to give you the inside scoop on Dr. Death and why he does not need a tag team partner that's tougher than a $2 steak in Muskogee, Oklahoma on Saturday night on payday. <laughs> I was going to say, um, because, you know, JR loves Dr. Death so much. I was going to make a joke about how he was stroking himself, but then that's too meta. <laughs> so. Oh, man. No, no, don't apologize, please. By all means, I, I come up with all kinds of crazy bullshit on this show. <laughs> so come we on. move on with this episode. Eric Bischoff is with the WCW magazine running down the Beach Blast card that's coming up. Gordy and Williams, the team that we just saw, will go against the Steiners. So that's going to be an awesome match. Um, then he tosses to the new Freebirds. Oh, geez. Michael and Jimmy Jam, who are the new dude, dude, U.S. Dude. tag team champions after Wrestle War. Ooh, they, they won with the help of Precious coming back. Um, they're coming for the world titles, though. Like you said, different titles at the time. Um and Eric Bischoff then announces Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Rick Rude will have that Iron Man match. That'll be awesome. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. This, maybe we should do a watch along of this show. But Beach that, Blast that, is a great pay, card. That card is great, and that show is pretty fun too. Yes. 1992. Um, yeah, that's one of that's one of my favorite WCW pay per views of all time. Um, yeah, this is when yeah, WCW is like peak. They're like. More popular than WWF at the time, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, this um, this was like like right now. Like this was when I like I've said before this time period and going forward, this was when I really started to really consistently keep track of what was going on in WCW at the time. And I thought awesome. what was cool was like the theme. Like they were like when it came to like pay-per-views like their production quality and i've talked about it before and it's kind of grown over in the later years but like the 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 beach set with the sand and the backdrop and just like the 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 overall production quality of it i thought was like that's what made them different from wwf wwf you just had the black curtain and the big logo hanging over and the guy came out you know when you had a pay-per-view like beach blast and we'll i'm sure we'll cover it at some point um the look and the feel of it just made you feel like you were at some special event. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love the set. This is a great event here. Um, we might have to put that up in the polls. Um, Sting that will, might, yeah. Sting will, that might be something we'll have to cover. Yeah, definitely. Sting will also take on Cactus Jack. And then we cut to Sting again. Great stuff here by Sting talking about signing the Falls Count Anywhere match, and he's going to throw sand in Cactus's face. What are you, a fucking cat? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> at the end of the promo. No, I'm kidding. Um, then they recap the last event with Cactus pinning Van Hammer in a rodeo match to show how deadly he is. Cactus, Jack, cuts a promo about the match being a non-title match, and he's not happy about that. But he's going to prove himself in this fall, pin falls count anywhere on the Gulf Coast match. Wow. I'm just curious why they signed. I'll have to do some research, but why they signed Sting Cactus non-title for this pay-per-view. But then earlier in, on this episode, 
they announced that Sting was going to face Vader for the world title at the Great American Bash. Right. I, I kind of like this stuff. This was, I have a question here in the notes. It is basically, okay, so let's say instead of a of the champion just obviously beating one of his challengers, like we know, you know, how they give a guy like a fresh, you know, mid-card heel to beat when he's become the champion. Yep. Well, why not have it be like a non-title first, and then if that guy wins, then he gets the title match. I mean, it, it makes it less predictable. You know, we could see Cactus Jack maybe pinning the champion here, and this pin yeah. falls anywhere on the Gulf Coast match. I think it gives no, a little a more, point. yeah, it gives a little more sports dynamic to it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's interesting stuff how they 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 layer their booking in WCW. Yeah, for sure. We go to a commercial and back, and it's Jr. and Dave talking about Ron Simmons versus the tailor-made man, Terry Taylor. We go to that match. It's Terry Taylor coming out, uh, you know, from that classic backstage area in the studio. And fans got a lot of in-studio matches here. This was cool. Yeah, this was one of the, uh, the heavier episodes of, like, in-studio, because the last few episodes we've done um, have been... Uh, you know, like the main event will take place in the studio, but then there's matches from like different locations from other mm-hmm. other events that that had taken place. But yeah, this one was pretty much like all studio wrestling, which was pretty cool. Yeah, um, Jr. talks about Missy Hyatt and Medusa, who are going to have a bikini contest at Beach Blast. Wow, what a time! This is like, I mean, this is I've talked about it on the Origin of Attitude, the podcast that Jimmy and I started out the whole Retromania. Th- you know podcast with um this was the time where wcw was was trying things out a lot and uh wwf would perfect later you know yep yeah this was um they yeah i mean they were i guess you could say they were edgier yes than than wwf at this time yes they were um jr says i'd be happy to judge that but uh i wasn't asked Okay, <laughs> sit down. Put the fucking cowboy hat over your lap. All right. Oh man! If you want to call the hotline right now and find out why I'm not doing the bikini contest at Beach Blast 1992, you can call right now one hundred nine zero nine 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 hundred. I will have my black cowboy hat on my lap. I gotta pay for this restraining order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turner Legal can't talk about it on the air, but if you call the hotline right now. I'll get permission from Turner representatives of the legal department to discuss this as long as they're making a quick buck off of it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ron Simmons come, comes out <coughs> next me. to face Terry Taylor. Um, man, Ron Simmons gets a great reaction here. This is not a bad match. Ron has control as Greg the Hammer Valentine comes out and he jumps on the apron as Terry Taylor gets Irish whipped into Greg and then rocks back ron rolls terry up one two three ron simmons wins very cool the fans go crazy here um yeah and then greg the hammer valentine gets the figure four on um on ron he's he's trying to at least and the refs come out and protect ron this is kind of odd where the refs are like the heroes weird yeah well i mean this is 
Yeah, because normally like a baby face would come out and help the you know the other baby face from getting attacked like in a two on one situation. I'm just curious if this was like the start of building more sympathy towards Ron Simmons when he eventually gets the world title. Yep. Um, I, I honestly don't know, um, but yeah, this was uh, this was interesting. Yeah, we'll see. This is the road to uh, the first African American champion. Correct. All right. We go to a commercial break and back. JR and Dave cut to Freebird Enterprises. What the hell is this? This is so cheesy. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, this is stupid. Yeah. It's just the Freebird's place and Eric Bischoff is there and it's terrible acting and Precious is there, but she's a brunette. It's not the same Precious yeah. that we know. No, different. Yeah. J- I mean, same Precious, just different hairstyle. Yeah. Little older, uh, Jimmy yeah. and Michael are in the conference room, probably doing coke and uh, <clears throat> talking about coming for the world titles too. Wow, great, sweet, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Jam. What you do? You took my bump. That was my bump. I'm supposed to get that bump. What are you talking about? Yeah. You did three bumps off Precious's titties. I'm supposed to get a couple bumps off the table. They certainly know how do, to do, do. take some bumps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> JR and uh, Dave are with us ringside, and they're about to call the main event. That's the six-man tag match, two out of three falls, representing the Dangerous Alliance, the DA, its beautiful body, Bobby Eaton, Larry the Cruncher Zabisco, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. And then going against them is Nikita Koloff, Ricky the Dragon's theme bone, and the natural Dustin Rhodes. That's good, Gary Capetta. I like that. Uh, during the match, JR says, Folks, if you saw Wrestle War, you know what happened, and it's it's hard to explain. No, I think this was just pre-taped. <laughs> I think this was taped before that match, and you guys didn't know the finish yet. And you know, Whatever. Yeah. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat hits a crossbody out of nowhere onto Larry Zabisco. I liked this spot because all the teams... Uh, all the team members came in and they got blocked and one, two, three, we get the first fall here from the faces. We go to a commercial and then we come back for the second fall or TV time remaining. Please don't fucking do that again. Uh, <laughs> when they bring that up, I always think I'm like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. The faces get figure fours on all the heels. This was an interesting spot because, you know, it's like, you know the heels are you know usually people associated with figure fours or the horsemen and you know rick's not there right now yeah it's just interesting everybody has history with him too but yeah it's just a figure four spot yeah and everyone was pretty much into it i mean it doesn't i mean i don't think like it's just my personal opinion in that instance um i mean that kind of spot pumps up the crowd yeah um and I don't think it was done as like a direct shot to like flair um, okay. from from WCW. That's just me personally, yeah. because I think like any kind of spot like that where you do like a whether it's a figure four sleeper hold or like the baby faces clean house. And it, I think it was just the point in the match where they told the story where like it was like the the time to transition into like the longer part of the match and to, to set up the you know what I mean? So Definitely. that's just that's me what... personally. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's what ended up happening, too. Bobby Eaton started taking control, and he threw Dustin into the ring post shoulder first. And uh, then 
some melee starts to break out, and Dustin gets caught uh, stealing the cell phone. So Larry throws the cell phone, but La- Larry throws it a little too too far. He's got a strong arm. So Dustin catches it and hits um, Bobby, I think, and then the ref calls a DQ. He gets. He was caught. trying out for the Braves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zabisco, they needed an outfielder at the time. He was trying out for the Braves. Yeah. Um, so so they the faces get caught for a DQ here, but the heels pick up the second fall. So we are down to a fall piece. We go to a commercial and come back. Arn rips the tape off of Steamboat's face, and the DO did the, the D.A., I'm sorry, start working over the nose of Ricky Steamboat. This is some harsh stuff here. And Ricky Steamboat works back for a hot tag to Nikita Koloff. And then a melee breaks out again. And Larry Zabisco goes for a clothesline as Arn Anderson holds Nikita. Nikita ducks out of the way. Arn hits... Sorry, Larry hits Arn in the face with a forearm. Then Nikita runs off the ropes, hits Arn with that sickle. One, two, three, the faces win here. Wow, wow. Uh, some some more mixed up stuff by the DA here. And yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a really fun match and it's just still the build and the, um, <clears throat> the, the, evolution of what would eventually become Larry Zabisco's exit from the Dangerous Alliance. I just thought the whole thing, the match was basically centered around like Zabisco, I almost call him Nabisco, like Nabisco shredded wheat. Zabisco uh, screwing things up for them time after time after time, you know, just between like the phone and and hitting the R and then ducking the clothesline and, you know, there was one point in the match too, I think, I don't know if it was in between falls, but, um, you know, they showed the, the the cameraman out on the floor, and he caught conversation between Heyman, or should I say, Dangerously and Anderson. And Arn Anderson was like, "I can't do much more of this." And Paul Paulie Dangerously was like, "I know, I know. Rick and Steve, we came to a vote, and he's gonna be." And then all of a sudden, he sees the camera. He's like, "Get that camera out of my face!" It was like mm-hmm. you. It was you were kind of revealing that like Zabisco is gonna be gone any day now. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of time. Yeah. Um, so, but I just thought the whole thing was done very well. Crowd was into it. All six guys, absolute studs in the ring. Fantastic main event. Definitely, and it's probably, a, the, probably the best main event uh, um, since we've been doing these, at least from WCW side. I agree. Um, I would agree. This is a. Uh... I mean, we're going to jump ahead here. I liked this episode better, but this was cool because, you know, we get a lot of, um, we got a, we get a lot of what ifs, what's going to happen next, because now these faces have become so dominant, uh, against these heels, the heels didn't even pick up a, a pinfall in this match at all. It was all them, you know, infighting with each other, or you know, making mistakes. So, um, yeah. what's going to happen with the dangerous Alliance, but also these faces have defeated these heels so what's next for the the faces what's next for steamboat he's got to face ricky uh rude for that title and then what's going to happen with dustin um you know interesting stuff going on there with nikita as well you know what, what what's next for these guys yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, I know that like Steamboat and Nikita are, ta- are are part of that tag tournament. They announced them as a team, um, but Steamboat also has his issues with um, 
with Rick Root as well. Um, that they're that they're kind of heading towards with the Iron Man match at Beach Blast. Um, Dustin's really kind of I wouldn't say floundering, but like he doesn't really have like a definite destination when it comes to like a future um, storyline. I think, like you said, this was match was pre-taped before Wrestle War, so they just got this one out of the way um, and. To, to have it in the can for when they came back. Um, and then things were really going to progress probably after this week. But um, it seems to be a trend here that a lot of guys in WCW at this time, they had their hands, as I'd like to say, in different cookie jars. Sting has his, had his hands full with the Dangerous Alliance, but he also had Vader on the mind. Mm-hmm. Now that War Games was over, he's got Vader, but he's also got Cactus Jack to deal with. Steamboat, he's going to be in a tag tournament with Nikita, but... He's also got to worry about Rick Rude in the Iron Man match at Beach Blast. So, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting time. Um, I, I, I'm chalking it up as they have a, a, a short roster and they're trying to fill as many holes as they can. Um, and guys are being put in multiple situations. But it doesn't seem very it, – it doesn't look to me as a fan watching it that it's very disorganized. You know what I mean? No. Where there's situations in current wrestling today where – a guy will be involved in multiple stories or angles and it's it's just kind of very all over the place this doesn't seem that way it seems very constructed and and um and organized yeah from, you know from a fan's perspective here so um yeah i i enjoyed the match and i actually if we're gonna go at you know we're gonna Give us our picks. I mean, I'm going to pick Saturday night again. Even though Superstars was good and it breezed by, Saturday night I felt like there was good follow-up from Wrestle War, and they really got you ready for, you know, Beach Blast coming up, the tag team tournament with Great American Bash, and overall I just think it was a, a better show than Superstars. Agreed. I will agree with you here. I think WCW Saturday night is in the lead so far. Um, next week on WCW Saturday night, they're going to have the Great Muda taking on Brad Armstrong in a two out of three falls match. And oh man, I love Great Muda, especially around this time. Um, whew, excited for that one. Yeah, that should be fun. That definitely should be fun. Uh, we've talked about Brad Armstrong being a very underutilized uh, character. And uh, I always loved the international um, uh, superstars that came into WCW, Muda being one of them. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. I will definitely say WCW took it away this week. Um, Oh, for sure. Easily. Definitely. So, Dave, another week in the can. Thank you, as always, for joining us this Saturday, folks, or whenever you're listening to us. You don't have to always listen to us on a Saturday, but it does drop every Saturday. Um, because Saturdays are for, are wrestling. for wrestling. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Um, find pro, find Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Facebook. Follow our community. That's Facebook. Search Retromania with a W. Or you can find us on Twitter, Retromania Pod. Or you can write to us, retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Dave, where can they find you? And then we'll get out of here. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Our Twitter handle at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. All links to archive shows from kicking out at two available on both Facebook and Twitter as well as soundcloud.com. But of course, the real home for kicking out at two, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. Find us there. Check out the Owen Hart show. I'm really proud of that one. Um, I, I'd love to get all your feedback on it. 
I don't normally toot my own horn, but toot toot when it came to uh, paying homage to the King of Hearts, Owen Hart, which is available right now at all the links I just provided. Absolutely. All right, Dave, I will catch you next week. Folks, thanks for joining us.